0: Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books that they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sneddon. That felt a little awkward.
1: I was just
0: giving it some personality. You want me to do it again? No, no, no. I think it's great. <laughs> Good, because
1: I'm not going to, <laughs> asshole. Here's the disclaimer for this episode. Now, <laughs> most listeners don't oh, understand that every time you hear Booked, Rob is drunk. Mm-hmm. Rob's been drinking mm-hmm. for like hours, usually. Livia's usually not so drunk. Tonight maybe a little drunk. So any mispronunciations, <laughs> any slurring, lisping um uh overtures of affection towards Rob are all to be attributed 100% to this week's sponsor, Capriccio Sang blub- Bubbly uh, blubbly, blubbly Sangria. There we go. We're
0: starting right now. <laughs> um Capriccio, Capriccio hmm Yeah. Now if we get to sangria pay
1: us for this, yeah. Capriccio.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I promise to be more likable than I am on other episodes. <laughs> uh yeah, I haven't had Capriccio bubbly sangria, but now I, I kinda want to. Right, it's fucking yeah. amazing. At any rate. Um, can we talk about the the life hacker? So, first of all, we review
1: books for anybody. who's <laughs> their first time listening. But I want to review a life hack that I've read about online for years. Yeah. So it started with Crazy Russian Hacker is probably the first place I heard this. If you haven't heard me talk about it before, Crazy Russian Hacker is uh is probably better stuff to listen to than this podcast. I guess you watch it on YouTube. But that guy's amazing. Have you ever, Rob, ever Crazy Russian Hacker? I've
0: heard of Crazy Russian Hacker through you on this podcast.
1: Okay. At any rate, uh, YouTube, probably like a thousand videos from that guy. He makes his living completely from uh, examining life hacks that either other people post or coming up with his own. And I'm going to guess he doesn't come up with any of his own. That he just takes that shit you see on Facebook and then actually tries it. So... Uh, ten minutes before we were recording tonight, <laughs> I decided I need another 375-milliliter bottle of Capriccio inside my body. Um, <laughs> so I did this life hack where you wrap a wet paper towel around, typically they say a bottle of beer, and you put it in the fridge or freezer, and it's supposed to get like instantly cold. At the eight-minute mark, my, uh, the results are I have a wet paper towel wrapped around a half bottle of wine. So I don't know if it was the amount of time I had it in there, or if it's the wine, or if it's the fact that it's bullshit, but uh, this life hack gets zero stars from me. Did
0: it tell you how long that it had to go?
1: I didn't like... watch like a YouTube video. But I've been yeah. trying to do this from memory. I have no idea, but I can follow up on that and get back to you.
0: Yeah, I'm on a uh, a Life Hacker, like the website Life Hacker article from March of 2010, Mm-hmm. Just trying to get to the bottom of this. I frequently use this trick to get wine into a chilled state in a hurry. The trickiest part of the process is removing the towel, which will be frozen on. So it doesn't say. Let's see. My frozen. towel never got yeah. the frozen. So I'll tell you that. Uh. I, yeah. There's no amount of time. So like, I, I'm dubious. Dubious?
1: Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. You Listen, know if saying. you
0: leave it. I will say this. There is a good chance
1: that if you leave it in the freezer for three hours, that, yeah. yes, that paper towel will be frozen, and so will your drink. But yeah, I at, mean, the eight, at the eight-minute mark, which is roughly how much time I had, no difference from room temperature.
0: Yeah, so it, yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, I have, in the past, um, been drinking beer with friends quicker than I anticipated and had to throw some like in the freezer. While we were like, you know, oh, we're drinking this, this is the last cold beer we have, and then like, you know, preparing more by throwing them in the freezer And about 15 or 20 minutes of being in the freezer has helped with, uh, with no wet towel involved at all. Um, the secret there, though, is to throw it on top of, of something that's frozen if you
1: can. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Not just like standing it up, but laying it down Like a it little transference yeah like on you know if you have like frozen a bag of frozen vegetables or i'm I'm guessing well maybe not with beer but if you had a uh, like an ice cube not a tray but you know where you have the bin of like ice cubes right right like that would be a good place for it so it's touching something that's frozen
0: i think helps that yeah crazy romanian hacker yeah yeah (laughs) crazy. um but not helpful tonight at least Listen, not in the least, but I will soldier through and drink this bottle. That's all I'm saying. I'm proud of you. So, um, why don't you why don't you tell people why we're why we're talking tonight?
1: All right, tonight we are going with. Um, I know this is odd because we've only done this a couple other times on the podcast, but historical fiction. We are reviewing <laughs> Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. Now, um, historical fiction, in that you know Norse gods existed a long, long time ago. Yeah. And then um, I, I've loved Neil Gaiman for years, and it was pretty easy to talk Rob into this, to be quite frank. So here's a little bit <laughs> It's not bit like I put up author. a lot of struggle with any of the books that you no, put up. I, I, yeah, I know, but you, I was like Norse Mythology, <laughs> and you were like, yeah, like you were really, like you didn't even ask what it was. Yeah, yeah Which I, maybe, I, maybe by definition,
0: yeah, it does. I laid yeah. down on this one real fast.
1: Here is Neil Gaiman's um, author bio in the first person. I will not try to do a Neil Gaiman accent because only because I realize I have no idea what Neil Gaiman sounds like.
0: I so you might be up. getting it. You might be getting it perfect, even, if, even be. without knowing. I think he's.
1: I think he's British. He probably sounds a lot like Michael Wilson. But here, here's my take on this. <laughs> I make things up and write them down, which takes us from comics like Sandman to novels like Anansi Boys and American Gods to short stories. Some are collected in Smoke and Mirrors into and occasionally movies like Dave McKean's Mirror Mask or the Neverware TV series, or my own short film, a short film about John Bolton. First of all, I had no idea there was a Neverware TV series, so this is gonna require
0: some Uh-oh. Googling. Yeah. You're gonna have to watch something that's not coming out of Korea, unless for some reason the Neverware yeah. TV series is coming out of Korea. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: apparently BBC. Hey. um but in nineteen ninety six when I don't think I knew what the b b c was um wow, I actually think I tried to watch this, and it was terrible. I think I actually rented this like on video At any rate whatever L- let's let's move on.
0: <laughs> Livius is just cutting through the fog of his memories tonight um all right, so the book, like Livius said that we're re- reviewing tonight is north Norse, not north Norse mythology. I've only had a beer and a half, so I should be better than this. Rob, what
1: percentage what percentage alcohol content is that beer? Rob and I had this discussion before the podcast. So normal people are like drinking a Miller or a Corona and I'm gonna assume those at
0: like five and a half percent. Actually probably four. Usually like the higher alcohol content, like standard lagers and stuff that you find are like four or I mean five and a half or so, but typically it's like four. So, what is the alcohol percentage in the beer that you're drinking? So, I was drinking a Goose Island Bourbon County Stout, which was 14 point what two? Did I say percent yeah. alcohol? <laughs> yeah, it was um, sort of... I'm on my so basically second... it's like a six pack. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> I'm on my second beer, which is a Founder's Backwoods Bastard, um, which is clocking in at 11.2 percent. If it's not above 10 percent alcohol, I don't even bother with the beer. Like there's there's like a there's like a level that I have to have to achieve so um yeah also but
1: in you may want to cut this out but i have to send you this picture because i found um the coolest bottle of wine and this could lead into a whole conversation <laughs> Wait, was it in about... your freezer no, no 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 get it cool um, anyway this this no this could tie into the to what we're talking about because i was going to talk about like um how much cooler i feel wine labels and, and mm. names are than beer labels because they're always Ooh, like, Yeah, look at that. This is a fat bastard. Is that not the coolest fucking thing you've ever seen? Would you like to describe for listeners in case this makes it in the podcast, what I just sent
0: you? So I'm going to take that as Erlo Scream, the 2013 Red Blend is, first of all, it's a little bit of a, a shelfie because there's dust on it. Shelfies for the uninitiated are like bottles that just sit on the shelf. Um, because no one's buying them. So it looks a little bit like a shelfie. Um, and it's a white label with um, some pretty modern-looking font at the bottom that says the name and the, the year and everything. And then the only other thing on this white label is, like, waveforms that look to me like audio waveforms. But they also kind of look like a, like a heart rate kind of thing. Is there any way to plug it?
1: There's no way to plug in a waveform and hear what it says, right? You would think that that would be a technology.
0: Like, like all the waveforms a... from what we record like taking a, a printed waveform and converting it, I think that there's a way to do that. I'd want to know if this is actually a scream or not. Yeah, it doesn't look like a scream. Based on like my almost six years of editing audio, the The tricky part is um, if I'm looking, I'm kind of reading the line from left to right as we would read like text and everything. And you see definite up and down patterns, which is more consistent with like, you know, like a heart rhythm. When we're looking at waveforms of audio, usually there's like a like a horizontal line that um, when the audio gets higher or lower, like there's an equal amount of spike coming from the top and bottom instead of like one line going up and down. So I feel like it's more of a heartbeat, but it's supposed to look like audio waveform. I think
1: that was far more fucking intuitive than I expected. You, I'd be like, no, this is someone saying something.
0: Right. Where you but, actually and it's, threw yeah. some like actual deep. Wow. Right, yeah. I'm impressed, hey. Rob. Could that get that anima- analytical mind clicking away. So we'll have to um we'll have to dig into that. Maybe um maybe one day when we have some time we'll see if you can actually translate a printed waveform into into sound. Or it'd be cool if you could translate a heartbeat into what the sound of the heartbeat would be. I don't know. I would just say, <laughs> Why am I still beating? <laughs> Yours would just be like this fucking straight line and we just fucking knew it all along. <laughs> All right. All right. So here's you, the synopsis. You like to... yeah. There you go. Here's the synopsis for Norse mythology. Um, in Norse mythology, Gaiman stays true to the myths in envisioning the major Norse pantheon: Odin, the highest of the high, wise, daring, and cunning; Thor, Odin's son, incredibly strong, yet not the wisest of gods; and Loki, son of a giant, blood brother to Odin, and a trickster, an unsurpassable manipulator. Gaiman fashions these primeval stories into a novel. Here's the problem, it's so fucking wordy. <laughs> Gaiman fashions these primeval stories into a novelistic arc that begins with the genesis of the legendary legendary nine worlds and delves into the exploits of deities, dwarves and giants. <sighs> Once when Thor's hammer is stolen, Thor must disguise himself as a woman, difficult with his beard and huge appetite to steal it back. More poignant is the tale in which the blood of the Kvasar, the most sagacious of the gods, this is really challenging, is turned into a mead that infuses drinkers with poetry. The work culminates in Ragnarok, the twilight of the gods and rebirth of a new time and people. Through Gaiman's deft and witty prose emerges these gods with their fiercely competitive natures, their susceptibility to being duped and to duping others, and their tendency to let passion ignite their actions, making these long-ago myths breathe pungent life again. Let's start right with the synopsis. Um, God, yeah. I guess
1: part of the problem is that everything, most of the things I guess I know about Thor and Loki are from comic books. Yeah. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a, a step out here and call this wrong based on, on the subject matter. Well, no. In the book, I am, and I'm—I've had way too much to drink to look it up. <laughs> I am ninety-five percent certain that one point it says that Thor is um, Loki's brother, blood brother, and not
0: Odin's. No, it says Odin.
1: Does it in the yeah, book? It I, does in the really? book. Yeah. Okay. Because we've been always been presented with, and even through like the Marvel movies and stuff, that it's Thor's brother. Unless they just yeah, everybody.
0: That Odin adopted Loki and they were that Thor and Odin were, were or that Thor and Loki were brothers. Yeah, that's the Marvel cinematic universe's take on the, the relation.
1: Okay. Well then let let's rewind a little bit and explain where Neil Gaiman's coming from because there is a introduction to this, um, a preface, so to speak, to this book. Gaiman talks about how um part of his writing and his love for for all this you know came from when he was very very young and basically that he's trying to as true as he can retell the stories of the Norse gods which is kind of cool because one of two things happens either you're handed something that was interpreted by one person that was written and you're just reading the same thing over and over and over again or you're kind of going on this Someone told someone that told someone that told my grandmother that told me, and this is Norse mythology. So he's apparently done some research into the truest of the Norse myths and is retelling the stories here in kind of a literary way. Although overall, and I think Rob will agree with me here, it's still kind of told like if I went and got a book on the Norse gods that was in the nonfiction section, would would
0: read. Yeah, that's the tricky part of this. Is that um, so? I'll agree that that this is <laughs> this is this, this is definitely going to differ from like probably the everyman's uh, image of Thor and Loki and Odin, which is you know um, you know Thor is played by that fucking handsome guy and Loki's played by uh, Tom Hiddleston or whatever. Like this is going to differ. The, the other handsome guy, depending on which side yeah. of Tumblr you're hanging out on, yeah, right. <laughs> And Odin's played by, um, was it Anthony Hopkins? I have
1: no, I, I never watched any of the Thor movies. Uh, I saw them them in the Avengers, but yeah,
0: we'll, we'll get deeper into Libyus having not seen movies later on. Um, but yeah, this is going to definitely deviate from probably what is pop culture's interpretation of Norse, um, gods, which is the Marvel cinematic universe approach. Um, in that this is, and when I was reading this, especially in the first probably fifteen percent of the book, it is presented in a way that I would like. My impression would be what the Bible is presented with, which is just like, in the beginning, this fucked up thing happened and it caused this, and like that's why we have streams and and mountains and stuff like that. And so, in in a very traditional mythological way, which, me knowing nothing about North, Norse mythology at all. Uh, it gives me the impression that it is very faithful to the original, like, mythology. Um, and the neat thing about... I think the neat thing about this is, because Gaiman is such a popular name, and because I think it couldn't be timed better, understanding that American Gods is coming out in April, which has to do with, in to some degree, like, the old gods and stuff like that, I think that, like... This could, in some way, kind of tie in with all the stuff that's coming coming around. uh
1: having having actually read the the, the book on which the TV show is yeah. based, not so much. Not so much. Oh, I, I understand what you're saying, but to me, it actually came um came down to his his writing catalog. So, Nancy Boys is, um, and I'm doing this from Wikipedia because I have no way out. I, I there's it's impossible for me to do this from memory. Is an incarnation of the West African trickster god Anansi, and then you have American gods, which is based on our kind of American um, gods. Uh, that's I know that's terrible, but um, you know there's like and, and again there's an Indian god and there's something else, but you you get what I'm saying. Like it, sure. it's a little less tied into Norse, right? Than it is, yeah. Um, it is interesting though because he this is. I struggled with this as a fiction book, and I joke about how, you know, because you always talk about <laughs> how everything I learn comes from yeah. fiction books. I understand Norse mythology is fiction, but this felt like a very nonfiction book because if you go to the library and you want to read about Greek gods, guess what? All those are in the nonfiction section, Yeah, and they tell stories in a very similar way, maybe not as as beautifully framed as Norse mythology does. Yeah. Um, but these were independent stories, although they were in a in a schematic like time flow, like beginning, like it starts with how the gods were created, so to speak, and ends with what happened to all the gods. And in the middle, you have a very timelined story to to explain how that happened. That being said, they're all told in a very clinical way, the same way that when I was a kid, I actually read a lot of books on Greek mythology. And although Neil Gaiman has a better turn of phrase than a lot of the unknown, unnamed authors of those books did who are just kind of recounting mythology, um, the style is still very, very similar, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, realistically, and that was one of the impressions that I had of this book, is that you could take it as, like, just fun stories, or you could take it as, like, a realistic representation of what Norse mythology really is, so you could use it almost as a reference, kind of like Livius is saying. Um Which is not to say that it's not entertaining, <laughs> because there is a lot of shit in here that is really weird, and uh makes you realize just how messed up, I think, um, uh, the retelling of, of the stories of gods is in general, but just like how weird origin stories are. Like I I think, and this is just maybe my very specific experience with this book, but um, in my mind, it almost, it, it, it immediately gave me this feeling of like, man, it's so weird to see the difference between like my impression of something and the, and the original story of something. Same thing with like how Disney, like the Disneyfication of all of our classic, you know, fairy tales and stuff like that. Like Pinocchio. If you read the original Pinocchio story, it's fucking dark. He fights fucking vampires in that one, right? Am I thinking <laughs> I'm the right thing? Oh no, but I know what you're talking about. Hang on. I gotta go to the bookshelf for this <laughs> one. Hang on. Oh man, you're killing me, Livius.
1: <laughs> I told you, to Livius, 100% more likable this episode. Maybe just by Rob. But still, 100% more likable.
0: You're not thinking about the original Pinocchio story. What you're thinking about is Pinocchio Vampire Slayer, written by Van Jensen and Dusty Higgins, which came out, whew, I want to say, like a decade ago? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, 2009. Yeah. So story? anything different. else
1: I might be thinking
0: about? Besides Pinocchio, oh yeah, the story I wrote—is that what you're talking about? Yes. Before you knew that other thing was a story, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the greatest idea I ever had, and it's sad that uh, it was already taken so you know that's why that's why you realize in life you know maybe sometimes it's easier to be a critic of books than actually a writer of books i think
1: well i think a consumer is really what it comes down to yeah because i think that every great idea i've had i've never take the trouble to research because i just assume somebody else has already had this idea not just writing i'm talking about in general yeah so yeah neil gaiman clearly um Through the course of this book, and you tell, has a love and and, and knowledge of Norse mythology that's probably well above the vast majority of people. Yeah. The book starts out with an introduction to the, what is it, the Tree of Nine Worlds? Is that, I think it was. Yeah,
0: Yggdrasil or whatever it's called. Yep.
1: I'm not going to try to pronounce anything that happened in this goddamn book, by the way, because all I've learned about the Norse people is unpronounceable words. That's really what I've got about the people. (laughs) who have, who have uh, prolificated this, like, mythology.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Asgard's easy enough to pronounce. Yeah, Asgard's cool.
1: Yeah, and and, and back a little bit to what you were saying. Let's well, not fault Norse mythology or Neil Gaiman for our um, understanding of Norse mythology coming from Marvel comic books. Like, I don't know <laughs> how else to say that. Like, again, kind of same thing. I was like, oh, I thought they were real brothers, and I found out this book that they're not. And then I felt, <laughs> like, betrayed... But not by Neil Gaiman, <laughs> by, by Marvel, Marvel Comics, right? Because that's what they've been <laughs> like. That's what they've been telling us. And to be honest, for like forty years since I started reading comic books when I was a little kid, I feel like I've had this knowledge that if I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and the final question for some reason didn't have four <laughs> answers but just two, and it said Loki and Thor are brothers, a yes, b no, I would have been like, yeah, that's a no. And then I would have lost because my understanding of that came from fucking Stan Lee and whoever's writing those comics. Stan Lee's like 400 years old now and although still alive, not capable of writing comics. So um, (laughs) we're introduced to the gods by Odin's quote unquote. I'm doing the quotes because I've been drinking birth um, and how he loses his eye and how the other gods come to be. Um, And then we're taken directly into stories that are. (sighs) <sighs> loosely connected is what you're well say? yeah they're loosely connected but I guess my thought is like I feel like they should like they would be more fable-ish but I didn't learn anything from the stories they were stories <laughs> well the cool thing about it though is that I expected them th- the way the stories are told I always felt like I should like mother goose like I should learn the lesson but yeah. th- there wasn't necessarily a lesson like I'm actually reading stories about stuff that happened although they were very um formulaic if that makes sense. It's like when you hear the jokes that start out with there's three types of people on a plane and the first per- and you know the first person's always going to fail whatever the test is and the second person is always going to fail what the test is and the third person is going to get it but in a really racist kind of way that's <laughs> how I felt most of these stories were structured. Does that make sense?
0: Not really, but I'm going with it.
1: Okay, so I'm not going to tell you <laughs> any jokes, because all the ones I know would probably not be widely oh, acceptable by listeners yeah, yeah. of this podcast, because we have a, 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 a strongly structured liberal listenership, I we feel. Really do. We really yeah, do. Yeah, so I'm not going to go with my conservative, really fucking funny jokes that you guys are all missing out on. But... they just felt like you do whatever was happening. Wasn't the right thing. And there was going to be almost like multiple attempts to get to the right thing. And like the third one was always going to be the right thing. Even if that wasn't the number, the stories had that feel like maybe they should teach us something, but they don't. Yeah. But it's as the structure of something that should teach you something.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like if I had to describe them, they're written in the structure of a fable. Because they're obviously exaggerated stories Um of, of something that happened and they're very specific about like the they're really tied to one thing that's going on. But like Livia said, there's really no like moral or lesson tied to these stories apart from one of my first notes that I have written down about this book is that the Norse gods are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> They are really
1: self-serving, and I gotta tell you, it was maybe my favorite part of this because I kept expecting the moral, as you put it, (laughs) Yeah, and they were like, no, we're just gonna figure out how to make shit better for ourselves, and I was like, this is very true to life, Yeah, because in life, it's not morals, it's really about someone trying to control the game in their best interest, and that is totally the Norse
0: gods. I mean, and there's got to be a reason that they've stayed God so long. There's even at one point, and I don't think that we have to worry about spoilers in this one because, like, there's not really like a three act structure to this. It's more of a each story kind of builds a little bit, but doesn't you know? Is there's no plot that's crucial to spoil. It's just a bunch of stories, um, to the point where there's actually literally a story um, where the like it's revealed that the reason that the gods are gods is because there's this one woman, it's called the apples of immortality. It's one of the chapters, this one woman who essentially is the goddess of immortality has these apples and these apples bestow immortality. So they bestow youth. And so every now and then when the gods start to like feel weaker or show gray or whatever, they eat one of her apples and then they're back to their like vibrant, youthful selves and so, I mean, it really takes, and not to, ta- not to take another shot at Marvel, but, like, the Marvel Universe, Thor, is like, man, I must protect people just because it's the right thing to do, and I love Natalie Portman. And, and fucking, take it strips all of that away. The only interest that any of these gods have in this book is to remain gods and to, like, feed their own self-interests. 100% of the time, 100% of the time. But then they get pissed at Loki, who is, like, the best at protecting his own self interests I
1: just want to say, this is usually I try to play off what Rob said, but I just actually read. So <laughs> Rob took diligent notes on all these stories. <laughs> Holy shit. This is like the fucking CNN of note-taking. <laughs> Wait, is it good or bad? That's fucking, t- like, you have slanted every one of these fucking stories <laughs> in the most liberal way policy is possible, and I'm going to read some of them because, oh my god, um, Neil Gaiman, if for fuck's sake you're listening, I want you to hear how Rob, who's definitely the liberal on this podcast, has interpreted some of these fucking stories. <laughs> <sighs> The Apples of Immortality, the story he was just talking about. And this is what I scrolled down. because I was like, yeah, I remember that. But let's see what the notes say. A giant slash eagle bullied Loki into sex trafficking the goddess of immortality. <laughs> I'm not going to read the rest because I don't want to spoil the actual story. Um, but I did, and when I saw that and I read it, I was like, oh, what the fuck do these other ones say? Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Loki goes off fucking other ladies. Um, the gods discover he has kids: a snake, a wolf, and a head dead, half dead girl. They proceed to be assholes all about the zombie girl. Okay, uh, let's see. All, glo- all gods spit into a bowl, which becomes a god of poetry, who is then killed. And all right, I mean that's not little There were like two other ones <laughs> I read that I was like, this is. If I was watching fucking CNN today, I'd be like, oh my god, can you fucking believe how ridiculous this is? But it's typically not as ridiculous when you're reading it from the point of view of the gods. They do tend to shirk on their responsibilities of paying people. I will say that. That may be a little bit Donald Trump-ish from what we've heard in the news. Um, but other than that, I mean, they're self-preservists. Preservists? Nope. <laughs> nope, self-preservationists? Yeah. That's the one I'm looking for, which is really what we all are at heart. I mean, when it comes down to it, no matter how liberal you are, ultimately where it comes down between you eating or your family eating and not eating, you're probably going with the family eating Way so,
0: dude, it's never been down to that though. Let's talk about um, let's talk about <laughs> the master builder. All right, the master builder is a really good example of like these gods just being dickholes to people. So, this person comes along and um, he makes a deal with the gods, he offers a deal to the gods, and he says, Hey, I know you're trying to build some sort of you know. Uh, protection for your place and all this shit I'll make a wall for you and it'll be a wall that nothing can get through and nothing can get over Um, and it'll be so good that not even an ant can crawl through it and and, um, if I can do this you know you're going to let me marry Freya right is it Freya this time I think it's Freya still 'Cause she's it like is. the super pretty goddess. Probably the she, goddess. But if you've ever
1: seen, and we'll talk about it later, the Almighty Johnsons, she's the super pretty <laughs> goddess.
0: Um I haven't. Um and he's like, I want to marry Freya and I want the sun and the moon. So you're thinking, wow, that's a pretty big bill. But then Loki rolls in and he's like, What up? Let's just give him an unreasonable amount of time to complete this wall in and that way he'll build the wall, but he'll never finish it in time, so we'll have the wall and we won't have to pay him. Right, so there's no like I gotta keep food in my my kids' mouths situation there. Okay,
1: so this is accurate, but let's be fair. The Democrat, I'm sorry, the builder, <laughs> who showed up, whoa, was a little misrepresenting himself too. Am I am I correct in stating that? Oh yeah,
0: he was a giant.
1: Yeah, he was a giant. Some sort of super up powerful in the form giant. form of like yeah. So any anyway, rate, all I'm saying is that. We probably have villains on both sides of this. Um, can, we,
0: can we talk about the resolution, the, re, the way that the Loki saves the day on that one? <laughs> or is that only, too much of a spoiler? I, I think it's a little bit of a spoiler because that was one of my favorite things that happened in that book.
1: <laughs> is kind of the aftermath of Loki saving the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say horses and sex. Is that too much? no no listen if you want to reveal your google search results to everybody who's listening that's not that's not a problem at all no that's yeah that's my history of every 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 night horses and sex um Um, so i i guess are we kind of at odds on this i'm saying that the gods are assholes and you're like oh the gods are just looking out for themselves listen they're assholes but really they're looking out and it's
1: self-preservatory i don't know why i keep (laughs) keep trying to use this word in different it's self-preservation that's all I'm saying. Like, I see where yeah, they're right. coming from on most of these. Like, I, I kind of go, eh, yeah, I get it. Mm,
0: all, right, all right. All
1: right. So I'm totally trying to find a picture of the Freya from the Almighty Johnsons. That's really all I'm thinking about right now. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Um, Here's what I'll say. So we are presented with, um, after the kind of initial world building that happens in the first probably 20% of the book, we're presented with, let's see... About a dozen or so stories that are casually linked to each other and it's and it's well done because like the later stories refer back to something that happened in the earlier stories, and so it is um it's like a selected history. So it's not like this and then like the next week this happened, next week this happened. But over the course of like the mythology of these characters, these are some important like milestone moments that um led to the overall, like, history of, of, of Norse mythology leading up to um, some of the darker stuff that happened at the end. So, like, the last probably three major stories are the death of Balder, the last days of Loki, and Ragnarok, the final destiny of the gods. And so, basically, everything in this book is leading up to Ragnarok, which is, um what would you say is, like, uh prophesized maybe would you say prophesized right it's the one thing in the book that i got
1: the impression wasn't actually written by i don't know Norse writers or or whoever created this right cuz he talks about it being in the
0: future yeah that it's
1: past yeah. our time
0: but um the idea is like uh the death of balder which is like you know probably 80 75 80% into the book um, is all about Balder being one of the gods who is having these nightmares about how he dies. And, and there's a few different stories that talk about, like, elements of what happens in this final kind of Ragnarok chapter. But the idea is, like, there has been foretold this time called Ragnarok where basically it's the twilight of the gods. And this is kind of the ending of, of what we know. And then, like, dawn of... And it even says it in the goddamn synopsis. Like, it's the ending of... These gods and the introduction of like a new era or something like that, rebirth of new people. So we do get to see basically the entire. These are like the greatest. It's this is like the greatest hits of of Norse mythology from the beginning of when Odin was born to um, like the twilight of the the era of the gods. So these like dozen or so stories are like these are like definitely like the greatest hits.
1: Oh, I would have to agree, and that's why I said it. it... Although it moves linearly through time and you can read it like I I struggled with this book because I was like, yeah, it's it's almost a novel because it moves, you know, time frame wise linearly. But it's really like kind of these snippets, these slice of life for the gods, so to speak, like stories as as it goes through there through the the course of the, the book. It's like it falls halfway between short story and fictional like narrative right like it's hard to, to really i mean i know there's stories because they're capped in their stories
0: but if you took out those chapter headings would you not have thought it a linear yeah book yeah and that was the intention i believe it was still supposed to be like this happened then this happened then this happened but like i mean i'm guessing there could be like a hundred years in between one story and the next or there might be you know weeks between you know another story and the next Right, but that, uh, that being said, it,
1: it, it kind of, I don't know, I, I, I struggled with the structure <laughs> because even though it was written that, w- the individual stories were written in a very encyclopedic manner. Yes, yes, I agree. Versus, uh, uh, and I, I've read, I've read, I don't know, five Neil Gaiman books, six Neil Gaiman books, and all of them had, I mean, he's, he's a wonderful writer. This one just felt very clinical. Mm -hmm. Even though the overall structure was linear, and they were short stories, it still felt like a documentation of what happened versus a literary novel.
0: I agree. 100 percent. I don't know if there's much more we can talk about with the book itself. Um, It's I, I mean, I could talk general impressions like it was really, really easy and entertaining to read. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. After, after but like fifteen struggled... percent. Oh, okay. So yeah, let's talk about that. The first ten percent, I thought, oh my god, what did I fucking suggest? Like, I was really unhappy.
0: <laughs> That's funny because after like the first ten percent, I was like, oh my god, what did Livia suggest? Yeah, it was fucking terrible. <laughs> it was like really the, the, difficult. The
1: opening was was brutal, but then I picked up. But when I say that. It still felt very clinical, and and as somebody who, all right, so let, let's get out the dork alert. When I was a teenager, maybe a little bit of a preteen, I totally had a heart on for like the Greek gods, and I read books like this, but they were about Zeus and not about Odin. And this felt like a like a throwback to reading those. They weren't um, paper. I'm, I'm gesturing with my hands, but you know they were like the oversized like Time Life edition. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I read a lot of this stuff, and this felt so much like that. And yeah, when I was 12, that was fucking amazing. As an adult reading this, they were fun stories, but it didn't, it didn't feel important. Hmm. And I felt like this should have felt important, and that maybe he could have told these stories in a little bit more of a narrative fashion. Where I could have done that thing where I go, I learned a lot about Norse gods because I really liked this book. Because it was written in a 38-chapter novel <laughs> yeah. about how the gods came to be and how the gods failed. And instead, I felt like I got a, a clinical observation that was written a little better than the stuff I remember reading when I was 12.
0: I And the weird thing is, like, um, I felt kind of different about it. So, um, to me... The way this reads to me is, like, imagine you've got your, like, favorite TV show, and you really love this TV show. And they have that one episode that doesn't tie into, like, the way that the rest of the story is full unfolding, but they just kind of, like, explore something. So it's, like, um, your TV show telling you, like, the history of something or telling you the the myth of something. Like, it felt very, like, a stylized representation of, hmm, something you've heard a, a thousand times before. Like, this is my take on, you know, Pinocchio fighting vampires or whatever it happens to be. Um, (laughs) So for me, it wasn't as clinical as it was like. um, It was a very specific um, take on a fairy tale is, is the way that I felt like even like it was like if someone told it was like if your grandfather was reading or was telling you the story of Robin Hood is kind of how I felt about it. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, maybe the hmm. maybe the the specifics aren't exactly the way that the original story you know or over the years it's changed so many times or whatever, but like this is just like oh you know what you hit all the major beats but it came out in that specific person's kind of voice and that's 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 how my impression. So it, it's it's interesting that you said it was so clinical because um, and maybe it's just because you have a lot more experience with Neil Gaiman that you would you would recognize the difference in his writing that I don't have the benefit of, of feeling. But for me, it was just like, yeah, it was like grandpa's telling me the story of, of Robin hood.
1: Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. (laughs) I will say that I was wrong about Freya being in the almighty Johnson's. It's Michelle Langstone that is holy shit hot. Just in case Wait, is that the name of up. the god or the actress? No, 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 no. That's the actress. She plays fucking somebody. Is it important who she plays? I guess I should. <laughs> she's an artist, right? I should know who she plays. She plays Joffen. S J O F N. All right, I'm looking up pictures. And Michelle. And... Oh wow, look at those blue eyes. Right? Like holy shit. That's yeah. That's who I was thinking of,
0: but it wasn't Freya is wow. like a lady who's at least my age, if not older. Oh, she looks better. <clears throat> she looks way better with dark hair. I'm just going to say that much. Right? There's like the two pictures of her with light hair, and you're like,
1: eh, go back oh, to that.
0: They're green eyes. I apologize. Although they're blue in one picture and green in another. That's all right. You How... notice she has eyes. That's Fucking...
1: worst points of women as far as I, <laughs> I understand. Know. Hollywood yeah. is so fake, though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she's pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess regardless of what your take on the book is, it's this, if you're looking for a very narrative novel type story, this isn't the one, um, is it informative? Yes. Because I, if Neil Gaiman says I'm retelling the, the stories that have been documented that people told hundreds of years ago, I buy this shit 100%. I buy the shit that Thor was a fat guy that ate a lot with a fucking beard versus the, the Marvel. No, but I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be funny. I'm saying that, like, I believe that this is what a Norse 95 year old great grandmother is telling her great grandson right now. I buy that, and for that, it's wonderful. That being said, if you're looking for a narrative um, storyline that's going to kind of engage you in this, like,. I was thinking about it when I finished it I don't know, a couple of days ago, and I thought, this is going to be nobody's favorite book. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, but written, I don't think it's designed nobody's to Nobody's ever going to say it's their favorite book, and that's what it comes down to, is that it loses a little bit. And, and I, I feel that the Neil Gaiman books I've read could be somebody's favorite book. Maybe not mine. Yeah. But that somebody—I I love Neverwhere. It would easily enter maybe a top 20 in my all-time favorite books. Right. So I think Neil Gaiman has that ability to make you um, into a believer in a story so much that it's your favorite book. This one, partially because of the subject matter and then partially because of the way it's written, is going to be nobody's favorite
0: book. Sure. I, I I I totally I can see that. Do you have any quotes you want to talk about? I know we don't really do no, quotes anymore. A couple that are Da-da. fumble- Fuck it, let's do it then. If you're saying we never do them anymore, I'm going to fucking read.
1: I have 37, so buckle in. Get out of here. Get,
0: no, I have like not. four.
1: I have like four. Oh, my seven, God. So I felt like I had to over overshoot the... This Kindle thing has a weird button on the bottom that's hard to depress. All right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Mine are mostly funny. So my first yeah. one is a, is a direct quote. And when I say a quote, this is Thor speaking. When something goes wrong, the first thing I always think is, it is Loki's fault. It saves a lot of time. And the reason I find that humorous is because I work with Rob. And typically, yeah. if something goes wrong, yeah. I, I feel Thor and I have, we have a, a bond,
0: I guess is what I'm trying to say. Great. Great. Um, I've got one where it's the, the, it's the, it's the funeral of Balder, which is one of the gods and everybody is super sad about it. And, um, this is just a little bit of dwarf intervention that I thought was funny. Lit, one of the dwarves walked in front of Thor to get a better view of the pyre and Thor kicked him irritably into the middle of the flames, which made Thor feel slightly better and made all the dwarves feel much worse. (laughs) That's the kind of asshole gods that we're dealing with here. I don't understand
1: how I didn't highlight that, because when you read it, all I could think about was, I I supervise a number of people at work. Oh, God. And God damn it, if I don't feel connected to Thor in that exact moment. Like, it doesn't matter who you sacrifice, but you should sacrifice somebody, because God damn it, it will make you feel better about all the bullshit you have to deal with every fucking day. Yeah. yep, yep. Um, I'm going to read two and only because my, my, my second one that I'm reading now ties in very closely to my first one. Uh, And I don't, I loved it so much that I marked it the second time Gaiman wrote this. There were things Thor did when something went wrong. The first thing he did was ask himself if what happened was Loki's fault, (laughs) which is fucking brilliant because Thor understands where shit goes wrong and always goes to the most likable, um, Culprit for it. Um, this next one is really uh, just a, a quick turn of phrase, and I love Neil Gaiman's writing. So no matter what else I say about this book, I want you to understand I fucking love Neil Gaiman, and and this is why. Um, he says, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, he married a woman named unpronounceable name who had been. <laughs> Happy and beautiful when Loki courted and married her, but now always looked like she was expecting bad news. That is a beautiful little bit of writing by, right there. I mean, that's just stunning.
0: And now everybody knows how it feels for me, having worked with Livia's for six years. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Had to get a little dig back at you on that That's one. a, no, no, you're cool. Yeah, I understand. <clears throat> um, This quote that I have is just for my own personal amusement more than anything else. And it goes to show you that, like, your, your personal life always kind of informs what you're reading. Because I read this way different than it was intended for the book.
1: <clears throat>
0: this is toward the end in the Ragnarok chapter where it's kind of foretelling the downfall of the gods and everything. <sighs> Twilight will come to the world. And the places where humans live will fall into ruins, flaming briefly, then crashing down and crumbling into ash and devastation. And, of course, the first thing I thought of was the Stephanie Meyer books. Not Sarah Meyer, which I was
1: (laughs) (laughs) was going to say. I said the wrong name before we were preparing.
0: He says, oh, yeah, that quote about
1: Sarah Meyer. I'm thinking, what the? So I'm ready, like apparently should know Sarah Myers.
0: I should Google this. And he starts reading it. And I'm like, do you mean <laughs> Stephanie Meyer? Meyer? Yeah. Because so, that would make more sense, right? Yeah. Livia saved my ass on that one, but I couldn't let myself, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't let the listeners not know that I, I fucked up. That could be integrity. That could be, what's the word when you like to get hurt? Masochism? masochism? Yeah. Masochism. Yep. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You ready to do some wrap-ups? I'm happy to start these wrap-ups. Please wrap it up. Neil Gaiman book is um, always a reason for me to get excited. And and I will forever... So I've read American Gods. I'll take that back a step. I read Good Omens first. So for anybody who hasn't read it, it's coming out as a series on Netflix, probably. Um, Beautiful. He co-wrote that with Terry Pratchett. It's wonderful. I read Neverwhere, which still sticks in my mind every time I see a manhole cover or think about a sewer system. So, a oh, beautiful book, easily top 20 all time books for me. Um, almost like a modern Wizard of Oz ish feel. So, um, that being said, anytime an El Gaiman book pops up, like my, my antennae on top of my head start um, twitching, and, and I'm excited to read it. Um, Hello American Gods didn't really do anything for me or Nancy Boys was, was, They were good books The problem is that I'm comparing them to great works By this author Very excited to read Norse mythology Do I feel informed about Norse mythology? Absolutely Were there times I didn't want to read this book? Yeah, the first 12 Roughly percent were um, fucking brutal And if you're going to read this Get through the 12% And it will get much better Quick read I'm going to question the page count a little bit, and Rob and I didn't talk about this, but this was not 320 pages. I don't know how that math came out, but I read it much more quickly than I read 320 pages. That being said, I feel well informed, um, but I don't feel satisfied. And like I felt like I read encyclopedia entries. So um, ultimately, I will say before I give my stars, Watch The Almighty Johnsons. It's a great New Zealand show about um, the Norse gods being reborn. Uh, this book got a solid three, three uh, three and a half stars for me. Let's go three. Let's do three stars. Three stars.
0: It was sounding way less solid after the word solid. Like the solid, <laughs> solidification of... of... The rating like immediately. The only went. reason I didn't get two point seven five
1: stars is because it was way too <laughs> hard to say after this, as much as I've had to drink.
0: Wait, is it down to two point seven five? You'd round up anyway, right? Three stars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't even. I don't even know. Um, I'm going to start off my wrap up by saying that I am tragically underexposed to Neil Gaiman in general. The only uh, thing I've read besides this. Was the other review that we did almost four years ago now, well, it was July of twenty thirteen so we're about three and a half years um out from the ocean at the end of the lane so um, I've always been aware of Neil Gaiman, but had just never really um taken the time to read much of his stuff however, um, yeah, Livius is dead on like the first fifteen per cent is just like it literally put me to sleep because it is it is that uninspiring just shit you got to get through. And it reminded me a lot of like, so I'm not a religious person, but I, I imagine if I were to read any part of the Bible, it would be like the first 15% of this book, just like dry. Holy shit.
1: I don't usually interrupt, but you, that's like nail on the head. Yes. <laughs> that's
0: exactly what the first, I'm sorry, go on, but you are, if anyone's read the Bible, he's fucking right. Just like really dry, um, context-free seeming nonsense um but it, it is it is foundational work for the book was it necessary no but i think in the form of the book you couldn't just kind of jump into the middle with a book called Norse mythology so i feel like that first 10 or 15% was necessary but really terrible um but once you get past that and you get into these little vignettes of stories which um i mean Really, it plays out, once I realize it plays out like a short story collection, more than like a a tied together uh, narrative, it was really super easy to get through this book, and it was really entertaining. Um, And, man, those gods are just a bunch of assholes. Like, they're just a bunch of dicks. And, um, but in a way that was really refreshing, like, uh, it was just stories of people getting up to shit in ways that, like, you know... We're not used to, like Thor ate two entire oxen for dinner, you know, like that kind of weird shit where it's like, oh, ha, ha. whatever. whatever. Um, and like Livia said, I was originally expecting to have some sort of um, moral or lesson or something in the stories that I read. But really, the moral of the lesson just came back to like, man, these really are a bunch of self, self-interested, you know, asshole guys who get on some crazy quests and, and it has impact beyond themselves and so um it's just entertaining. It's a fun read and it's you know just kind of carefully carefree and, and light reading and um a lot of fun. It's entertaining. At one point one eagle is pooping on another eagle. I don't want to go into details, but just like weird fun stuff happens and it has to do with the gods of Norse mythology. So if that seems like anything that you'd be interested in reading. This Is a really fun and easy read, so I enjoyed it. I'm gonna go a little beyond Livius's incomprehensible um rating, which I think ended up at three stars for him. I'm gonna go, th- <laughs> I'm gonna go, I think I'm going three and a half stars on this. All right, I have multiple <laughs> thoughts, which really
1: because I'm drunk is only a turn to one, oh, so I, I don't know how far this is gonna go. So, first of all, I'd like to say. That the Greek gods would kick the shit out of oh, the Norse here gods. here we go. Right? Here no, we go. no, but I'm saying, right? Are you, you familiar at all with Greek mythology?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm aware. Um, I feel like the right, Greeks they were... fuck up the Norse gods. Well, it's my... All right, so you'll tell me if I'm off on this. My impression of the Greek gods was that they were way much more into suffering and fucking each other, whereas, like, the Norse gods are kind of like the party gods.
1: No, that's, that's pretty accurate, I would say. But still, in a fight, <laughs> remember... Remember who would win? The Zeus, all-powerful. Odin has one fucking eye and has to depend on Loki to like tell him shit, right? Yeah, but he gave up that eye for wisdom. Whatever, he's a fucking moron. Anyway, any rate, so that was my first thought. My second thought is this. In the nearly six years we've been doing this podcast, I have never preemptively given anything stars. Is that correct? I have never once said, this thing is coming out, and I'm going to review it right now. This week, Neil Gaiman has announced a sequel to Neverwhere, more than 20 years after its original publication date. So that means two things for the podcast. One, throwback (laughs) episode, fucking Neverwhere. It's going to happen, it's going to happen soon. Second of all, a review of The Seven Sisters, which I am preemptively giving five fucking (laughs) stars to, because Neverwhere is fucking brilliant. And I can't imagine that the sequel is not equally let me ask you rob if i said hey there's a sequel coming out to the contortionist handbook and you have to rate it right now what would you rate it oh five stars easily see that's where i'm going with this the seven sisters which was announced earlier this week is motherfucking brilliant already it doesn't need (laughs) anything else decided to be happening it is based in the same world, which is, uh, how do I explain this to you? It's the London Underground. Underground, you're thinking, oh, like the fucking subway. Yeah, mm, kind of, except it's an underground of a world of kind of magical people. You'll find out when we read Neverwhere, because we're going to yeah, yeah. fucking review Neverwhere, right?
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, underwear, Neverwhere, to... whatever you want to read. Yeah, listen, we'll, um, we'll, read we'll people's we'll underwear.
1: Under- yeah, listen, if you want to submit photos of your underwear, bookpodcast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. That was a bad idea. We're not committed. We're going to do it, right? Oh, no. And then Never Wear, which is maybe if you never wear underwear, same thing, um, or the Neil Gaiman book. So. Um, I'm looking forward to the Seven Sisters. I don't think he's three chapters in, so I highly doubt that's a 2017 review. I'm thinking 2018, but sometime later this year we'll be desperate and we won't want to review something that's messaged to us on Facebook because that happens. (laughs) (coughs) And I'll be like, how about fucking Neverwhere? And Rob will be like, yeah, that's cool.
0: Um, For the record, I think that the sending us a message on Facebook to get us to review something has worked exactly one time. In the near six years of our podcast, Rob, here's what it comes down to. So let's do <laughs> let's <review> the process. <laughs> you send us something
1: through the website. the The review rate is Rob percentage wise. I think zero. Zero is percent that, through the website, yes. zero percent rate. Yeah. So now Facebook we're saying messages. if
0: you Facebook is zero percent. No, there was leaves... one. There was one book that we did review that way. Oh, that guy. So that guy's not happy. What's like 180? 180... What's one right. one one hundred eightieth of the time, or something like that?
1: And one. Hold on, I've got some paper here. One divided by one hundred eighty. I'm a mathematical fucking genius. Zero uh, zero five it's... five five percent.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Did you really do that on a piece of paper? It's like five tenths of a percent, right? Fucking
1: math! It's five one hundredth
0: of a percent. Thank you. It's That's... five one thousandths of a percent. Sorry, I'm drunk. Five. So, I guess the point is. Just don't. It ain't going to happen. Just don't now, do email yeah. is probably closer to like 5%. So like I, I would imagine, yes, probably 5%. And if you sent us, so like if you really want us to read and 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 review your book, the best possible thing <laughs> you, you can do. It's pretty got to be Rob Hart. Is that, I, wait, really? Be Rob Hart. That's a 100% success rate. Um, or... Like, there are elements that will make it easier for us to choose yes, which is, A, write a book that sounds interesting, B, mm. send, like, a, like a Moby copy of it, <laughs> and C, and there's s- that. sending a picture of, like, yourself in your underwear, if you're a woman, doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. So,
1: I will say this. There is, like, a 75% chance... Somebody else sent a book through the email and not a book so much. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me let me share this. All right, all right. Someone sent a direct link where they paid for an Amazon copy that was sent to my email. Yeah. Less Edgerton. There is a like 75% chance that if I have time, I'm going to read the book that you sent me. Because oh, not only did you not send a free copy, you actually paid for a copy of a book that said, listen, I don't even even want you to review this because it's x amount of years old i just thought you guys might like this now the me inside me the livius inside me who's inside me the fucking devil whatever <laughs> things milo i can't pronounce his last name what the oh fuck god is his last let's name? not go last into that guy
0: marriage? god damn it all right
1: inside me says let me fucking read this because this is someone who said i think you might like this you don't have to review it i don't even care if you review it and i think to myself Maybe this speaks to me, and I'm going to review The Death of Tarpons. I'm sorry, I'm going to read The Death of Tarpons just on my own personal level. So if you want to do that, that's cool, too. Basically, what we're saying is, guys, 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 what it comes down to is that this will spend like two fucking hours late on a fucking Monday night going, holy shit, what the fuck are we going to review next week? Scrolling through Amazon and Reddit forums that I subscribe to and whatever, looking for something that it's our podcast, not even that we're going to like. I didn't like Norse mythology from a standpoint of when I say like, like, I'm not going to recommend it to fucking people unless they're like, hey, you know, any good books about Norse mythology? Yeah. Let me give you this one.
0: Three stars. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because I liked it. It was three stars. Oh, the books I walk around talking to people, people are like, I read books. I'm like, did you ever read any Craig Clevenger? Did you ever read any Josh Deach? These are the books that I, I go out there and actively promote. What it comes down to is this. We'll find our own books. Um, who's the people who keeps... Ma- did you get a weird fucking book in the mail? Yeah, from, I did. Uh, Harper... Uh, no.
0: Um, thank uh, you. Harper yeah, Collins. Yeah. yeah, Harper Collins sent me a... Uh, Harper Collins, I know yeah. you're not listening. But holy shit, you couldn't be any wronger. There's some chick wrote a book, right? Yes, a chick wrote a book. It was sci fi right? I'm going to guess. Livius, I'm going to guess. What They Sent You. It was by Becky Chambers, and it was called A Closed and Common Orbit.
1: Yes, that one. So here's a problem. HarperCollins, A, you're sending us both the same book, which is fucking amazing. That being said, we really don't review sci-fi. And let's face it, if you look at our our track record, we really don't review women. That's not to say that women are lesser (laughs) authors than men. Because Amanda Gowan, if you're listening... Fucking love the shit you write. Please encourage your fellow female authors to write more shit like you do, so I can like them better. No,
0: well, Becky Chambers. That, is that being cute. said, is she? All right, hold on. God, I'm looking at the Becky press James. release. I'm looking at a math
1: equation of one divided by 180. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I know you mean, didn't do it on
1: paper. You lying asshole. Paper? I don't have fucking paper. Uh, I Becky do. Chambers. I've got the Becky
0: Chambers press release from her book. It's on Becky the back. Becky Chambers. Becky Chambers might be your type. It's all is she in, the, in like a gray cardigan with a black?
1: Is that the shirt? No, I'm seeing green and purple. All right. And I
0: was going to say in the purple
1: shirt, she looks like someone we know, but that's unfucking nameable on this podcast <laughs> right now.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that might be my type. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs>
1: You never, never, all right, I was just, you never, shti, shti is Romanian for no. I used to work with people who used to say that to me. I don't Wait, but you never shti? never, shti? Yeah, I don't see. It. Anyway, whatever. Shti? I don't even remember. Yes, yeah, shti, s-h-t-e-e, s-h-t-e-e. Shti. shti. Never, all shti. Right. You never, shti. Yeah. No. Um, I don't remember what we were talking about. Fucking bottom line is Neil Gaiman's got another book coming out, sequel to Neverwhere, <laughs> reviewed on this podcast. It's going to happen. Probably five stars from me. Probably
0: five stars from Rob because I'll try to argue him into it. <laughs> um, can we talk about how I, I, I'm i suggesting that we review American Gods leading up to the TV series? Is that a bad idea? Um, It's not a bad idea.
1: If we want to do a throwback episode of that, that's fine. I say throwback because I read it.
0: Yeah, i will all dropping stuff over here, don't worry. Don't know. It, it will
1: probably land squarely three stars from what I remember. I wasn't. Ex- like, I wasn't really.
0: You didn't fall with
1: it. Like, yeah, I didn't fall in love with it. That's all right. That being said, I'm okay with reading
0: it again. Well, you're gonna, are you going to um, watch the TV, a
1: TV show? Up.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. I'm going to. Maybe it's a better TV show than it is a book. Ian McShane playing Odin? Come on. Yeah, Ian McShane is pretty amazing he doesn't play
1: Odin though right does he yeah his character is American
0: called Gods, his character is called really, Wednesday and Wednesday is the day true. named after Odin it's been whatever the the Forever. Um, Forever. well
1: yeah whatever the publication <laughs> date that was that's when I read
0: it did you just say publication date <laughs> Okay, what that thing where they yeah, put yeah. out the books what's it yeah. called publication yeah, I feel like you one. said publication. Like, I may have said that. Listeners like will be you able to put an extra R. <laughs> all I know is this Stars had Spartacus. Rob, did you ever watch Spartacus? I did not watch Spartacus. Although, um, I, I, I feel like someone important uh, worked on Spartacus.
1: Yeah, all the people who worked on Spartacus, because it's one of my top three favorite shows of all time. Let me give you what a <laughs> standard episode wait. of Spartacus looked like.
0: Uh, I'm wait, not was it is I'm a, mini, a TV series? Wait. Yeah, four seasons. Was it an oh okay, so it wasn't a miniseries, so I want to make five, sure I'm looking at the right thing. Yeah, five years
1: okay. ago, roughly. Yeah. yeah. Um uh Xena is in it. She has a name in real life. Lucy Lawless? That one Ooh, yeah. is in it. Yeah, topless BT
0: dubs. She's got through. a body on her.
1: Yeah. Well, she's a little older in this in these any anyway. rate. All I'm saying is this. This is the structure of the typical episode of Spartacus after you get past like episode three where they've set everything up. There is some type of fight scene where multiple people are beheaded, which is followed immediately by an orgy scene, which is immediately followed by somebody else being decapitated. And it's all done in that style of 300 where it's the slow blood splatter across the camera, which is also your TV screen. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but right. the
1: storyline is good It's historical fiction In that Spartacus was a real person um, But some of like the side Friendships and stuff are made up For theatrics sure, um, sure. Spartacus was fucking Brilliant I don't even remember Why are we talking about Spartacus? <laughs> stars Because if American Gods is on stars I will give it a shot Because stars is fucking brilliant
0: yeah, that's, that's that's where American Gods is going to be. Yeah, that's going to be for sure. So um, maybe I'll talk Livius because I haven't read American Gods and there's a little bit of shame in that. That um, Maybe I'll talk Livius into doing an episode of that before before or during the TV series, maybe. Yep. I'm I'll down. Fucking, I'm it's down. got... Um, oh, God, why am I drawing a blank right now? Brian Fuller is... Yeah, is, Hannibal. The Hannibal guy. Yeah, is the showrunner. Hannibal himself, but yeah. For, yeah for American gods and, um, Ian McShane, it's got just a bunch of cool people in it. So I'm excited about it. Like I'm just dying for some good television right now. Really taboo is the only thing that I'm grasping onto. And that's a good story, but it's just not super exciting. Um, all right, we've
1: talked enough Neil Gaiman. Tell me about taboo. Cause I watched half of one episode and I was unimpressed.
0: Um, so uh, it's weird. Cause it's really kind of a slow boil, but, um, the idea is tom hardy plays um the son of a guy who dies and the guy who died owned kind of a shipping um like company who had through certain dealings acquired a very important piece of land and now this is in the time of the east india trading company where um the it's during it's at the at the end of the revolutionary war so essentially like they're they're coming to the point where the united states is becoming its own country you know post revolutionary war and so the east india trading company and and england in general has an interest in, dis- in in helping to determine where the borders of the united states are drawn because that will influence their ability to profit off of shipping and and stuff like that and so um The Tom Hardy character is the guy who inherits this little shipping, shipping company who happens to own this very important part of land that the East India Trading Company is trying to get. But also England is trying to get um, because that will help determine the borders of America and Canada. And depending on how those borders are, are laid, you know, people will profit differently. So that's kind of the the catalyst of the story. But it's just based on like Tom Hardy's character. Which, um, oh God, I rushed James something I can't remember the name of the character um had spent a lot of time in Africa, and while he was in Africa learned some of the more you know m- what's the word I'm looking for, metaphysical kind of approaches to life that are not common for England, um but also uh you discover as the as the series goes on, his mother um. Was a Native American who was bought as part of a deal with um from with his father made with you know the Native Americans and stuff like that. So kind of a, a a weird background, but the whole idea basically is like this dude who has spent X amount of his life in Africa um comes home to inherit a shipping company that is basically um kind of a like a. Crucial fulcrum pivot point for everything that's going on with with like the forging of this new the new country in in America. I
1: now realize why I don't explain what fucking K dramas I'm watching are about. <laughs> why? Because although that nap was the most restful nap I've had in I don't know how long. I woke up and you were like you're still talking about fucking trading and something like uh, I don't know what it's been going on for. Anyway, fuck you. Uh, here's what i know from the first half episode if you want to see tom grunt tom what's his fucking name hardy yeah that guy grunting a lot perfect
0: all right if you want to hear him go he does a lot of actually because i don't know if it gets better (laughs) um because there's a lot of british um, accents and stuff like that i watch it with subtitles on and like probably (laughs) the fucking best you watch British shows with subtitles on. That's fucking amazing. Probably 40% of the subtitles for Tom Hardy are just like, mm, or, hmm, or "hm" and stuff like that. So it's funny right? that that was your insight. So He grunts yeah, a lot in the first half of that show. Yeah. yeah, but he looks really good in that weird hat. Speaking of subtitles, I'm going to go oh ahead. Oh, God. I've got yeah, other stuff. Talk about. I've got other notes that we have to talk about. No, so. no, no, no. And, right. you, and you
1: know, we'll have time to get to them. Mm. Subtitle this, motherfucker. Oh, God. This was the... Awards update quote from Michael Wilson from Facebook. I don't shtee. I say it right? I'm up to date with the booked podcast, so I've heard the controversy. Sad. Fake news about the awards being rigged. Very unfair. Dishonest. On a very serious note, Raw brings up a valid point about time zones And I'll note other time zones next year, perhaps even in a more prominent position on the awards announcement, but probably not. Probably still at the bottom. Fake news, motherfucker. (laughs) That is some rigged
0: shit right there. That's all I'm saying. Rigged as fuck. So he basically admitted that if we don't win, it's because he did not properly um, acknowledge time zones.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, that's really what it comes down to, is that in some elections, you have widespread voter fraud amongst the illegal immigrants. In some elections, you have time zone fraud. And all I'm saying is this, that it really should be an equal platform where all people are allowed to vote for what is the best for their particular, you know, in this case, entertainment purposes, leader of the free world, whatever it is. You shouldn't allow fraudulent and or misleading <laughs> information to to permeate the the um the the dignity of a vote. All, right Milo. All right, Milo. Milo, Milo. motherfucker. Milo.
0: Milo. Jesus Milo-ish. Christ.
1: Everyone else who's listening is like, oh my God, he's he's a fucking Ma- Oh <sighs> never mind. I'll hold <laughs> up. Milo ran down a different episode.
0: Yeah, that's I'll edit that shit right out. Um we skipped over something that has to do with the Norse mytho- mythology. Can I talk about really fast? So one thing I want to point out about reading Norse mythology is that um, I don't have a lot of history with North mi- Norse mythology or North mythology, which I guess would be Canada, right? I don't know anything about Canadian mythology. Do they have yeah, that? Yeah, I hate her. Yeah, I hate her. They got that fucking Justin Trudeau guy who was the God damn multi-level it. marketing fucking pyramid scheme guy of like fucking four years ago. That guy is the most charming son of a bitch, ever. I want to just make out with Justin Trudeau, um, although I'm kidding about that. I don't really want to make out with yeah, him. But that's I want to okay. give... listen. Listen, we need the gay these episodes. <laughs> I want to so... give him a really good hug. Um, so I did read um, a book in the past. So if you're interested in in a, in a weird take on Norse mythology. There's a book called Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul written by Douglas Adams. If I had my way, eventually we would review it in a throwback episode. But I think it would it would be like taking Olivia's like dragging, kicking and screaming to get to this review. Because Wait, who wrote that shit? Douglas Adams. Um, he wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
1: No, I know. I'm trying to think if I've ever read anything by him. No, it was the other guy. Who wrote the time shit? The Wheel of Time? I read some of his oh, stuff. Oh,
0: Robert Jordan? No, it's fantasy stuff. What are you talking about? That's
1: not fucking Robert Jordan. Oh my god, Wheel of Time is by one of those like legendary motherfuckers. (sighs) God damn it.
0: I'm gonna look this up right now because it's all sci fi. It's like Nick Corpin or something. The Wheel of Time series was (laughs) written by Robert Jordan. You must be thinking of something else. Is you, it fucking really Robert Jordan? Yeah, Hold on a second. So, Why doesn't yeah. that sound at all familiar? You're thinking Hold about, on. you're probably thinking of something like H.G. Wells wrote like back in the Wait, day. Wait, are you
1: taking this from dragonmount.com? Because that's my go-to. <laughs> no, Wikipedia. <for> a fucking... <laughs> Robert Jordan. That was totally fucking Robert Jordan. Who was I thinking of?
0: Because if you, is there someone else who writes sci fi that you would have said, and I'd be like, yeah, that guy. No idea what you're talking about right now I am so in the dark about what you're talking about So listeners, you should totally vote Livius drinking on episodes <laughs> Livius not drinking on episodes So Before they outburst um, <laughs> What I was trying you to know, say You guys, what you
1: don't understand Is how much Rob edited out Like fucking three minutes right now oh, my God. Trying to figure out how to send a photo Of something <laughs> we can't talk about on the podcast That I saw on Facebook That was disturbing to me
0: so before the other outburst, what I was, what I was trying to say was that there's a book called *The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul*, written by Douglas Adams, not Robert Jordan, which I really have no idea what you were still talking about there. Um, and the and the here's the reason I bring the book up. Um, if anybody hasn't read it, it follows the protagonist, who's uh, is a detective named Dirk Dirk Gently, and um, in this particular book, the main story. Is built around the idea that these Norse gods exist in modern time. And Odin kind of set this really weird thing into play because he got tired of being a forgotten god who was losing um, followers and losing people like believing in him. And all he wanted to do was kind of go out comfortably. So he sold his godhood in exchange for you know, like being taken care of basically in a retirement home. And this whole book centers around how modern society doesn't believe in these old gods and and how what effect it has on their actual power as gods and everything. It's really interesting, but it's also a humor book, so there's a lot of humor involved. So reading this made me kind of feel very interested in going back and checking out Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. If you haven't read it, Douglas Adams is one of the most brilliant British authors of the 20th century and um, definitely worth checking out. Did it pique your interest, Adele, Livius? Only in
1: that I know we didn't talk about this on the podcast and you talked about it a lot. Not a lot, but a lot for a TV show. I wound up watching Dirk Holistics. Detect. What's called Dirk Holistics? <laughs> Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. That fucking one. And uh, I watched it, and it was enjoyable. Did I, you watch I, the I, new
0: I, series, Dirk Gently, that just came out? Yeah, the one on the BBC America. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: I watched it, but it was like weeks after you watched it, so I didn't feel like bringing, you know what I mean, like bringing yeah. it up on the podcast even a little stale. Um, Very enjoyable. Um, so you're saying that Dirk Gently is in a um, book with Odin, kind of? Yeah, and Thor, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Very interesting, yeah. actually. I don't know if I'll go read the book, but I'm sure that's probably season two on BBC America, because my understanding is Dirk Gentley's Holistic Detective Agency did very well, partially because it starred, what's his name? That real popular guy who played fucking Harry oh, Potter. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, no, that's not the guy who played Harry Potter. Oh, the other real popular guy looks yeah, like the yeah. guy who played Harry so Potter. It's not Daniel Radcliffe. It's, um, what's his name? Um, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The guy looks like Daniel Radcliffe, just call him he, what he is. He played fucking uh, like Frodo or whatever, right?
1: Right, same, that's not, wait, Frodo's They're... not, No. Frodo's not in... okay, never mind.
0: Hang on, now I have to go to IMDB and figure out that guy's name. He was in that fucking Dead Guy movie recently. But the guy who farted a lot? I couldn't even watch that based on the fact that the guy <laughs> who farted a lot.
1: Goddamn right? Is that,
0: that's what you're talking uh, about. Hang on, just hang on. Yes, you are exactly right, in in a really weird way. So Elijah this Wood. We don't do, this
1: is why we don't do. This why we don't do movie reviews because we <laughs> talk about
0: the guy that theory. farted a lot. Elijah Wood, um, was um the sidekick to Dirk, Dirk Gently in the series, and yes, he was in and... that movie. Um, the what's it called? Why come on, filmography. Filmography? Really? Not IMDb? A filmography? No, no, that's on IMDb. Is that the liberal IMDb? Oh. No. <laughs> God damn it. Just making sure. <laughs> Why is he not listed in this movie? I, I don't know. Can I ask you a question? You know I'm talking about, yeah. Yes.
1: The side guy, but really because it's named Dirk Holistic. Or Dirk Jolly Solistic. <laughs> <Yes>. it's, <named, laughs> it's a mouthful. Um,
0: he is the main character in that show, right? Like, he's the protagonist that we follow, he is, yes, so Elijah okay. Wood's character is the perspective that we follow, however the the show dirk the the show is titled after um Dirk gently, which is 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 kind of like the the supporting supporting actor, yeah, got it, um at any rate, I will be pushing for that to be a um a throwback review that we do at some point. Um, I might try to convince... Ooh, this reminds me. We have two people who have the power through Patreon to um, give us books to review Whoa, once a year. Two? Yeah. Misty and Jesse. Misty is... Really? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, Misty and I are going to become fast-fucking friends because Jesse apparently is uncorruptible These you guys just send us <laughs> garbage <laughs> from fucking
0: Sweden or wherever the fuck it was. Uh, was Scotland? that yeah, one, it was Scotland. Yeah. Um but, you, so <laughs> Jesse already has his book for this year selected. Although um the all the talk about Neil Gaiman has got Misty interested in suggesting that we go back and review uh oh no, I'm sorry. Um there's talk about the author that we're reviewing next. I got a little ahead of myself. So when we talk about our next book, I'm going to go ahead and say that Misty is talking about having us re-review Another book written by that author.
1: Yeah, Misty's about to get herself on the same list as Jesse. Oh, all right, let's move on. I uh, <laughs> did more to follow on that in another episode, I think. um Let's see. So I, I know I, I derailed us, which then Rob rerailed us. <laughs> Basically, what it comes down to is that Michael Wilson, in my excellent – did anybody else feel that Michael Wilson was on this fucking podcast when I was doing this? Did you feel – okay. I did. I did. Um, Apparently, soon. This should not be a surprise to listeners over the last three or four years that soon would be the answer to – Michael's probably like, God, these guys are talking about it. Oh, I have to count more votes. And then he goes back in the email and fucking does some weird sorting through fucking Gmail or whatever to count votes. Michael, I'm telling you, Survey Monkey, Holy shit, it's <laughs> fucking, it's amazing. I don't know if you guys get it in the UK, but it's what you want.
0: He did at one that point being on being Facebook said, acknowledge the fact that he's aware of SurveyMonkey.
1: Okay. I didn't read that deep because my, my Facebook involvement has been rather limited over the last few weeks. That being said, Michael. It's cool, dude. It's one of two things. Either we win or it's rigged. It's all on you on how that goes down in American media. Because, fucking, we could be, we could be the Fox network or we could be the CNN network. Look that up because there's definitely two different sides to either one of those. So we can win and we could be Fox. Foxes are sexy. Rob's sexy. Have you ever seen Rob? Rob's kind of a fox. Um, uh, or we could yeah. be CNN. Which is a bunch of fucking lesbians and and some guys who think lesbians are the coolest shit ever. Oh, god. And we could talk about how, how this didn't go the right way. So, oh god, here we go. <laughs> that's where I've got. Hold on a second, I have to finish my <laughs> second bottle of Capriccio Sangria.
0: Hey, um, bubbly sangria. While while Livius is yes. taking a sip on that, I'm going to talk a little bit okay. about a message that the booked account received on Facebook recently. <laughs> Oh, God, he's chugging it. Um, Frank Curtis, who is apparently a listener of the podcast, recently messaged us to ask us if we are covering the Familiar Volume 4, which we'll be releasing, I believe, if it isn't out now, it will be before the end of February. Is it out now? I think it came out on Valentine's Day. So um, because of our unique approach to series in general, um, we've never really gotten past, I think Rob Hart holds the record for us reviewing three books in a row in a series. It's just difficult for people to listen to an episode. And if they hadn't, oop, Siri wants to get involved because I'm talking, oh, my phone's going to be making a noise in a second here. Because it's a series. There it is. <laughs> did you hear that? Um, yeah. It's difficult to, I think, retain the the audience's attention when we review book after book after book of the same series. So, um, we will not be, uh, we, we reviewed volumes one and two, we chose not to do volume three, um, and we will not be doing four either, but it's just yeah. because like, it's so complicated to maintain reviews of an ongoing series. Anne Frank, BT Dubs, um, not
1: reviewing <laughs> two make it really difficult to give a review for four.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about Anne Frank. I was like, where is this coming from? <laughs> No, Anne Frank's the blind girl, right? That
1: was hiding from the Nazis?
0: Was she blind? I thought she was just being hide- hidden from Nazis. Wait, which one was blind? I think And deaf. <laughs> you're thinking of Alan Keller?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm guessing the way you said that, that's not the same person. <laughs>
0: For the record. <laughs> Book, Book. podcast on gmail.com. Olivia's drinking.
1: Livia's not drinking. That's real. I'm not gonna send out like some kind of survey. I'm not gonna use survey monkey. I'm gonna use the this is horror approach. Email your response. Cause fucking I can do this every goddamn Sunday. Or I cannot. not. I go back to drinking diet coke because ultimately I'm happier that way. <laughs> This is so Frank hard Curtis. Frank Curtis We didn't read I've been thinking about reading 3 in my off time So we can't read 4 Because fuck we wouldn't know what's going on But I understand there's cat killing people If Instagram is any indicator Of what episode or volume 4 Looks like That fucking cat is murdering motherfuckers And I gotta tell you Someone who has an allergy to cats That shit is fucking scary Cause they almost kill me every time I'm in a home with what? I think Rob just threw all of his equipment out
0: the ground. I may have to finish this episode out on my own. I just I just decided um that I'm voting Livius drunk, yes. Uh when I email bookedpodcast at gmail.com. For the record, as a podcast, we understand the difference between Helen Keller and Anne Frank. <laughs> when he says it's a podcast, he means he knows. I did I did know. I did. Um, didn't know that you were allergic to cats. I am horribly... So, here's a list of animals
1: I know I'm allergic to. I just missed my pinky when I was trying to wave them off. So, if you could picture that, that looks pretty dumb. Cats. Dogs. Non-hypoallergenic dogs. Horses parrots, rabbits, which pretty much means any fucking animal that has hairy types, and I'm now making the sign for hairy type stuff, which is really, do you remember, this will only mean anything to Chicago people, you remember Bozo, the clown? Fuck, I do. You remember Wizzo? Yeah. He used to go
0: doo-dee-doo-dee-doo, and he used to wiggle his fingers, that's what I'm doing for hair, doo-dee-doo-dee-doo. Before you move Um, on from that, did I ever tell you about how the time I was on a Super Bowl pool? With, and Wizzo the Clown was too, and I won and he didn't. This sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know if the yeah.
1: listeners know this. I basically
0: stole money from Wizzo the Clown at one point through a, a Super Wizzo wasn't a clown, he was a fucking Wizzo. wizard. Get it right, motherfucker. Whatever, I didn't, yeah. It's an important on. part of my childhood, Rob. I need you to respect <laughs> that. Alright, I apologize. Wizzo the Wizard. Please continue. Anyway.
1: I'm allergic to animals with hair, horses. Too. Did I mention horses? You mentioned horses. I went horses. on a fucking yes, horse did. farm at one point. It was a fucking nightmare. Anyway, I don't. Why are we talking about? Why are we talking about any of this? I think I was I, trying I to... If I was to read a book, and we had to talk about
0: the Cause book because we're not reading Mark, uh, familiar volume four. That's why. Oh no, yeah, the cat so, murders so much of people. I love Mark Danieluski. Holy shit! Like four million pages for a story is a little more. Now, before you go to the next book, Livius... I think we need to break in with a key page count update. We have a key update here. Page count
1: update, 1,932 pages. And it's February 19th when we're um, recording this. I challenge listeners to find another podcast that is almost at (laughs) 2,000 pages in February. That being said... We've gone up against some other podcasts. I, I don't know if they were going up against us, but I can tell we <laughs> were going up against them. Yes, for sure. Now, when I say that, they didn't even read books by the people they were interviewing, one of them. But I think, <laughs>
0: One of them did. Now, shout out to Frank Edler. Oh, all the time. That guy's awesome. I love that fucking guy. Yeah, I yeah. sent him. All right. So, Rob, I just oh, want you to know. I sent...
1: Oh, no. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm drunk so I can't fucking remember this. You remember what um when we were doing a book live, he was coming out with Shocker 2, yeah. his um authorship with Armand Rosamelia. Mm-hmm. So I play the oh god. I play the New York Times crossword puzzle on my phone every day. I pay like $8 a fucking month to do this. And one of the one of the um clues came up as something about Shocker and it was five letters and it was one of those days where I wasn't getting fucking jack shit so I put in Edler because it was five letters and sent him a screenshot of it because it said (laughs) something. It was something about Shocker and I put Edler as a response. Um, At any rate, I love Frank Edler dearly. Of all the people I have met through this podcast, there's only (laughs) one... There's only one person I hold in higher regard than Frank Edler and... Maybe they know who they are. Maybe they don't. Maybe I'll get drunk and tell them at some point. Ooh. Anyway, I love Frank Edler.
0: Uh, the re- I think the reason you brought up Frank Edler is because we were talking about nobody else has read this many books early this early end of the year.
1: Oh, oh yeah. So, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah.
0: They actually read books they reviewed. But there yeah, were right, other yeah. podcasts
1: that would have authors on and want to talk to them like they're a fucking regular radio show. And we're not. We have to read the shit that we talk to authors about. And instead, you have dumb questions like, well, "Your book takes place in this, which is really not a fucking place." But the like, you could just tell they they didn't look into the book at all, it's and true. that's never, never gonna be us. <laughs> Rob, have we ever reviewed an
0: or um, interviewed an author that we didn't read some of their work? Uh, um, no, one hundred percent of the authors that we have interviewed, we have either one of us or both of us, typically both of us, have read at least one of their works. Right, and it's the work we talk to them about. Yeah.
1: I do remember one instance where there was a person, we only read one of their short stories, but it was kind of like a three-author interview kind of deal. Yeah, All I'm saying is we put in the work. We do. Um, Edler, on his Books Beer and Bullshit podcast, from what I've listened to, has read the books of the people he interviews. Now, he's got that um, Bizarro one, which... Bizarro people, you guys are fucking weird, man. So I I, I don't know. I can't listen to you guys that much because as you notice, I mean, I'm not that
0: weird of a guy anyway yeah you're pretty um, straight-laced and normal yeah
1: maybe maybe he reads that maybe he doesn't that being said bizong is another podcast you should listen to it is um all about bizarro fiction
0: and ongs i think think yeah and ongs yeah so it's bizarro fiction and (laughs) o-n-g-s and ongs Ongs.
1: yeah if you don't know what ongs are (laughs) urban slash ongs will get you the definition yeah ongs that being said, Frank, I love you dearly. Anybody else, if you're on a fucking podcast that interviews authors and you don't read the work of the authors, you suck. fuck you for la- yeah. being lazy pieces of shit.
0: Yeah. And, um, and,
1: and radio stations do that too, Rob. I don't know if you know this, but radio stations will interview an author based on the fact they're an
0: author and don't read the work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so fuck a bunch those of, guys too. Yeah, phony. Uh, I think you're getting your, your channeling Holden Caulfield here a little bit because everybody's a phony but us. Um,
1: Oh, Holden Caulfield. I read that book, but I was probably 35 before I read it. Anyway, wow, a, that's
0: crazy. That's definitely right? one of those coming of age books that, like, it doesn't make sense when you're not. No, no. You know, I think come of age law 35. Oh, well, then it's perfect. Perfect yeah. timing. I knew you then. All right. So, um, hey, do you want to just talk about what's next? Because we've been recording for almost two and a half hours.
1: <laughs> next episode is going to be Shadow Bond by Steve Erickson. Do you understand the title?
0: problem i don't mean to mansplain this
1: to you but you know that it's.
0: Really- <laughs> I well i kind of i actually kind of peeked at and i don't remember because this was a little while ago but i peeked at this synopsis and i believe it's some sort of like secret road or something like that right like or, or some sort of underground road kind of thing i'm thinking it's a play on the autobahn right, VA,
1: right. which is in germany which i'm going to mansplain to our women listeners in do case it <laughs> yeah is uh, the Autobahn in Germany primarily, and I think they've adopted it in other parts of Europe, is a um, highway where there is no speed limit. Like yeah. The speed limit is what you're comfortable and quote unquote Capable. safe with. Dr- yeah. yeah. Um, so this is called the Shadow Bond, or I'm sorry, it's called Shadow Bond, know the, by Steve Erickson, which <sighs> I'll give you the brief synopsis as it comes out of my drunk head. Uh, the Twin Towers pop up somewhere in the Dakota Badlands of 17 years. Um, how long has it been since?
0: That's uh, the, I'm sure. Yeah, that's been yeah,
1: roughly 17 years after the fall of the Twin Towers in New York. So that being said, it's going to be a weird book. It's a really fucking weird book. As I messed a drop earlier today, take some about 13% in. Um, Steve Erickson, now, do you remember the only other publication that Steve Erickson was in that we reviewed?
0: Yeah, Wormed and Bound. He wrote the introduction to Wormed and Bound. Oh, wait, hold on. So he wrote the introduction. So Rob's going to correct me on this. Who? Mm. He wasn't the
1: weird storyteller whose story neither one of us read, although we didn't talk about it. That we just <laughs> No. Okay. Nope. I thought that was him. So he wrote just the
0: introduction. Got it. Yeah, uh, he wrote the introduction to Warmed and Bound, and um, it, it, the, the interesting thing about so I have not read any full Steve Erickson works. I'm sorry, he wrote the foreword, which is essentially the same thing as an as an introduction. But the people in Warmed and Bound basically worship him like a god.
1: You know who I, I when you when you because you sent me the message and said, "Hey, Steve Erickson has this book." Blah blah blah. Whatever you sent to me, you know, what I immediately thought of. Hmm.
0: Axel Tyari, oh my God, yeah,
1: like has swallowed more literary Steve Erickson jism than <laughs> I think anybody, maybe in the world. I'm not sure. sure if in the world is accurate, but he's like Steve Erickson. Oh my God, stop everything you're doing. So, <laughs> Autobot is your shadow chance bond. To pro- whatever shadow bond is the chance to prove yourself right, Axel, effing Tayari. Just saying.
0: Yeah, he's like a reverse fountain for whatever Steve Erickson puts out. Like, he's just like, he's got his mouth open and just like, things reverse are going in. The reverse fountain is fucking genius. We may even have to stop the recording to fucking
1: talk about how smart that fucking is. Rob, sometimes, you throw some shit out there, man. That's fucking amazing. Like, I wish I was eloquent enough to come up with the reverse fountain for a fucking jizometer, like, fucking asshole. That's fucking amazing. Axel, remember, you could be my stepson,
0: in case you're listening to this. (laughs) So going back to what I was talking about earlier, the next episode, as Livia's told us, is Shadow Bond by Steve Erickson. And um, I believe Misty Bennett, who right now has the right to dictate one of the books that we review in 2017, um, is planning on giving us one of her favorite Steve Erickson books as something that we read in 2017 Jesse Lawrence is That's the other frightening based on the fact that I've already read 11% of this. And I got to tell you at 11%, I'm a little intrigued
1: and mostly disgusted.
0: <laughs> oh shit. Hey, that probably means something really interesting is going to happen. But um, in, in conversations with Misty, um, it sounds like she's got her eyes set, her sights set on, on making us read some more Steve Erickson. Thankfully, Jesse has already got a book chosen, so we might not get the triple Erickson. We might not be the reverse fountain that Axel Tyre is in 2017. Um, But, yeah, there should be more Erickson in our future in 2017.
1: (laughs) Sorry. So... What that means is some Steve Erickson next week, and who the fuck knows, based on based on how congenial I can be to the two people that contributed up to Patreon, that want to make us read more fucking Steve Erickson, because <laughs> fuck them. Sorry, Misty and Jesse. Um, basically, what it comes down to is a lot of late-night messages, me telling them how much I like them, and they should... Fucking offer things like the novelization of the Royals TV show. A story Is that
0: even a thing? I don't know, but I'll fucking write it
1: if I don't have to read any more of Steve Erickson shit.
0: Well, why are you being so negative on him? You haven't even read
1: <laughs> eleven fucking Rob.
0: Just go eleven percent of right. the
1: way, and you're gonna be like, oh god, this is fucking terrible. I will say this: <laughs> that on the Kindle version the page matches up to a page which is interesting but because I'm old I enlarge the font Yeah. which means every time I hit next page there's like three lines which is terrible because then I have to hit next again I don't even Let's know what you're talking about, about that's nah, alright, listeners who use digital media will understand um, that's it that's what's next episode one <laughs> far more fucking sober Livius because I'm swearing <laughs> off drinking Forever Everybody, right now.
0: email at bookedpodcast.gmail.com with one of two responses. Drunk Livius, yes. Drunk Livius, no. We will tabulate the results and force Livius to drink more on the next episode if it was a yes. We steal his booze if it was a no. Until then, I fucking love every one of you guys. You too, Frank Curtis. <laughs> and I'm Rob and Keep reading.